his wife is like, oh, it fell on his head. It's not going to be completed. What the fuck does what the fuck does that mean? It fell on his head and killed him or <laughs> And day one was so bad. Like I had all like I had friends there who really weren't like a part of the movie that were just kind of there to hang out and like it was just unprofessional. People were drinking, it was loud. It was, <laughs> I have one of those. I have one of those. It was as bad a day one as we could have started. Welcome to Sequel Podcast. I'm Matt Bonta. And I'm Brian Rupert. Hey. <laughs> nice to uh, finally meet you, I guess. Yeah. This is kind of meeting. I mean, we've chatted before on Facebook. Yeah, we spoke, um, you know, via chat, but the first time I'm seeing you. Do people tell you you look like Sal from Impractical Jokers? I think I have gotten that before. Dude, you look just like him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know. Uh, maybe. He's a handsome guy. There's worse people to look like. <laughs> well, I get fucking Jonah Hill sometimes. People may as well go, "Hey, you look like a fat Jew, Brian." Well, he, you know, he lost weight too, and he still looked the same. Yeah, but they don't mean that Jonah Hill. They okay. don't mean anyone. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. So what's going on, man? Nothing, you know, just uh, working on a lot of different projects, um, different stuff, podcasts. We're working on our Christmas special, Christmas special for our uh, podcast, Reviewing History right now, kind of planning out what we're going to do for that and, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, since uh, your first time here on my podcast, uh, tell people who you are. Okay. Yeah. So... My name is Brian Rupert. I'm a filmmaker, a podcaster, a teacher. I dabble in a lot of different stuff. Uh, most people probably would know me if you're a Tell em Steve Dave listener and or watcher. I do a lot of video work for their stuff behind the scenes on their Patreon. Hell yeah, you do. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good gig. Are you recording on your end? Can you record on your end? It says it's recording for me. Okay, so like in case something happens on my end, you'll also have it on your end? I think at the end you get like a thing. Okay. Cause <laughs> I'm sure this is great podcast material, but it just keeps saying uploading here on the top of my screen. Yeah, I think it perpetually does that because it's like a live thing. And then at the end, after like you stop recording, it like will um, like send it to you. All right. Yeah. All right. Normally I do these on Zoom, but we're doing this on Riverside, which is what you use. Yep. So they're I mean, a sponsor of uh, our show. So thanks to Riverside. I don't think you. Uh, I didn't hear a, a, a commercial on the episode you dropped today. We didn't because we record all out of order, and like you know, sometimes it's the last minute. We actually had an ad for it, and we didn't put it in, but. You know, uh, you, you listened to the new one already? I was listening to it. Uh, I was almost finished with it by the time when you said that you were ready to go for this. So Okay. Yeah, we did. Um, we just did a futile and stupid gesture, which is uh, a movie about the founding of National Lampoons. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I enjoy your podcast. I don't, I don't remember how I, I found it. Um, I know that I know of you from the Tell Em Steve Dave, you know, Patreon and, and regular stuff. Did you ever talk about it on there? 
I have never, I have never brought my podcast up on Tell Him Steve Dave. No, maybe I just friended you on Facebook, and you you probably posted it, and I started listening. That's probably more likely what happened. You probably saw me posting it, and I you sort of were like, "Oh, this guy's talking about movies," you know. And let me see. <laughs> I love movie podcasts. I love talking movies myself. My podcast is kind of like I, I like to call it a movie podcast, mm-hmm. but really. I, I like to just sit down with friends and just bullshit, which is the like you know, which is what Tom Steve Dave is, which is what I liked about that show. Is you feel like you're sitting down with your buddies and just talking about whatever. Yeah, our show we kind of decided that we need like kind of a structure, and we had very few rules within each other. But we really because we had a show years past, like almost a decade ago now. And it just became, because we love politics, and it just became us bitching about politics and talking. And I was like, you know what? People, there's so much of that now where everything has to do with politics. I was like, let's not inject any politics into our new show. Let's keep it where no matter, and this is our goal, you know, no matter where you fall in the political aisle, you could listen, laugh, and enjoy the show, you know? Yes, absolutely, and and I I do I do enjoy your guys' antics on the show, hundred percent. Thank you. Yeah, we like that framework. It lets us play with some stuff, and we don't, you know, we we don't have to talk about anything modern, you know. So it, it's a good like. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, I watched your movie again today. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Are you no. going to kill yourself tonight, Jesus? No, I'm no, sorry. no. I like, I because I I get it. I understand it. I know what it's like to make movies like that, and uh, I did want to discuss it. So you made a movie. Go ahead and okay. tell us what your movie's called. So years ago, in I'll I'll start from the beginning. So let's, yeah, let's do that. Let's start at the inception of the movie. So you know. I made all these shorts with my friends, Steve and Anthony. They do, do reviewing history with me, my podcast. And I, you know, we start making movies and everything gets a little more professional. We understand what we're doing more as we're doing it. And I'm a Kevin Smith fan. Or, you know, I was a Kevin Smith fan. I still like him, but it's not like it used to be where he was like my idol, you know? And that's that's still weird because I feel the same way. And you know what? Like, I think a lot of people also feel the same way. I think it's, you know, talking about Kevin Smith personally, I think it's, like, back in the day, it seemed like he was trying, and now it just seems like, yeah, I'm just going to do, you know, whatever, and and your my fans will always come along with me. There doesn't seem to be, like, an aspiration for something greater. Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it's like, and that's cool if that's, like, what he likes to do, like, that's, go ahead, but as, like, someone who was really interested in, like, watching him and stuff, it just, it's less interesting to me than where he was. Like, I'll still watch everything he makes, but, you know, it just seems like, did you see Clerks 3? Yeah, I've seen everything. So Clerks 3 was, to me, it's like, as someone who's followed Kevin, like, you know, for years now, it's him, it's, the movie is him telling stories I've heard a million times, you yes. know, and it's like, yeah. It's like you're diving into the clerk story and retelling clerks. But anybody watching the movie already knows the clerk story. We've seen you make clerks. We watched the movie. We understand it. We've seen your career. We didn't need a meta movie about you 
like making clerks again, you know? <laughs> yes. You all know you, you had a heart attack, dude. It's like just diving into that well again. It's like it's 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 a little too much for me right. personally. And and the fact that he's got multiple podcasts and and when he did have the heart attack, it was discussed on every single one of those shows that he had. So exactly. like, like you said, we already know know what's yeah. up. And it's like and I'm not going to spoil the movie, but it's like you do that big third act twist, and I personally hate it. No, like, I, I hated the first act twist that kind of ruins Clerks 2. Well, that's 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 part of it, too. You know, it's like, I love Clerks 2. I think it's like a near-perfect movie for him. Yes, yes. And it's like, you just completely torpedoed that fucking thing, and just like, Clerks 3 is just like a deluge of depression. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, very yeah. much so. Absolutely. But, so my movie. So we, we're doing like all these shorts and stuff. We're, we're making movies. And eventually, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a feature. And I write my first feature-length script. And it's like kind of a buddy comedy. Um, I, I can't even remember the name of it right now. But I write it. And, and I'm working at the census overnight at the time as a second job. And I remember I handed it to a coworker, and he's like, you know, your spelling's wrong, your formatting's off. And I was like, well, it's a rough draft. And, like, he was an asshole to me about it. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> I saw District 9, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. I hated District 9. And I was like, that's fucking bullshit. I was like, if I did my movie like this, this is what it would be. And I was like, I would do it as a trilogy, and this would be part one, this would be part two, and this would be part three. And that's how I would build the District 9 world. And I was like, well, part one, you can kind of make. So I was like, all right, let's make a part one to that. And th- this is the twist in my movie, and I'm telling your listeners, don't go watch Don't go watch it. no listeners, so no one will probably listen to this. Okay, just that's cool. I'm happy, you I tag you up. I'm happy to just talk to you then. So <laughs> Yes, that's good enough for me. So... The, the, there's an alien that's like kind of the twist in my movie that I wanted to hide as much as possible. So it's an alien movie, and I was like, I think that, you know, and who the fuck am I? I'm like 20, and I haven't made anything, and I'm telling um, the director of District 9, I can't remember his name. No, Blumkamp. Yeah, Blumkamp, thank you. I was, I was In my head, I was like, Shartzel Copley? I was like, no, that's the actor. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell Neil Blumkamp how it's done. So... So I'm like, this is how I would do it. And and from that, I went and I wrote The Uninvited Guest in like 2000. This has to be 9 or 10, whenever District 9 came out. And then, you know, I spend the next year like trying to save up as much money as I can. Uh, I get in a car accident and I pull a Kevin Smith rather than take the insurance money to buy a new car. I put it into the movie. While this is happening, I write the script I really want to make. Like, I I write, in my, you couldn't make the movie today, but I think you could have still in, like, 2011 or 12. It was a serial killer movie, like, buddy, com- not comedy, is a buddy serial killer movie about these two serial killers, like, driving across the country together, like, killing people. And I was really proud of that script. I think it's really strong. And 
I um, there was like this fucking thing on Craigslist where someone contacted me because I was looking for a DP, and I ended up talking to them, and they w- were like talking to me about making that script, right? Mm. And I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, it's going to happen, and like I'm breaking down crying. I'm calling like my friends, like, we're going to fucking make it. And then, and then it turns out that it was kind of like, he was like, well, you have to put up like 100000 and then I'll put up 100000 I don't have fucking $100,000. And he's like, well, could your parents like put a second mortgage on their house? And I was like, <laughs> you. So, so I ended up not doing it, but it was a confidence booster for me that it's like, I can come up with good ideas and like, I can kind of make things happen. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own movie. I'll do it on the cheap. I'll make it myself and I'll get it done. So I get all my money together. I get my DP who I think did a great job on the movie, uh, Alex Payne, not the director of Nebraska. They just share the same name, but um, Alex is the man. And we, I did auditions in New York city. We rented a studio space, open call. We had people coming in constantly. We were there for like 12 hours one day from like, you know, 8 AM to eight at night. We saw, Hundreds of actors and actresses for the different roles, and it's not even a joke. It so hold on, real quick. So you're from New York, right? You live in New York uh, at the time, and I live in New Jersey now, but I lived in Staten Island. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so we did it, and because you're in Manhattan, you know, you have so many people who are there trying to make it and all this, and we we put our cast together, and. And we we were having a real problem finding the lead actor, uh, the characters that, that his name is Rob. Mm-hmm. So we actually cast one guy, and we're getting we we're all meeting. We're getting ready to do it. Like I do, like a uh, uh, what do you call it? Kind of like um, a chemistry call test. Yeah, a callback. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, callback, and I'm mixing and matching actors. And, you know, a couple of people, they, you know, they ended up not finally getting it. But we settled on our Rob, our lead. And then he told me two days after he got it, he's like, yeah, I don't want to do your movie. I was like, okay. (laughs) And he backed out. So we went to the second choice. And he really wasn't, um, like, he, like, honestly, Rob was the hardest role to cast. So we we were like, okay, let's go with this guy. So then we did it a second table read when the final cast was together and we were in my backyard, you know, it was nice. We all read and like, I was, we were kind of running through the script and this guy was just flat. Right. And I couldn't get anything from out out of him. He wouldn't adjust. It was just boom. Like we was like, it just wasn't good acting. He was a nice guy. Felt bad. So, me and um, the lead actress after uh, we actually ended up seeing, I think it was Expendables 2 or 3. And on the drive back, I was like, hey, let me ask you a question. I want to see if it's just me. Did you think anyone was kind of like flat today? You know, just like, what, what, what did you yeah. think? And she goes, yeah, I think there was someone. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say anything, but would you mind giving me your opinion on like who you think it was? And she said the person, I was like, okay, this definitely just isn't me. And she has to, you know, she has to kind of have chemistry with him. Yep. Yep. So I'm like, this is not good. The movie's hinging on this. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? So she's like, I know a guy 
in my acting thing, like whatever she was in, um, I think he could do it. I was like, okay, I'm going to give this guy one more chance. Schedule me a meeting with this other guy like the day before shooting. I'm going to meet him at the Staten Island Ferry and I'll read him there. The guy comes back to my house, the other guy, and I'm like, all right, look, man, I got to be honest. I'm not getting what I need from you. And I, I don't want to put pressure on you, but like, you know, I'm putting all my money, my life savings into this. I got to try to like do the best I can. And I'm just not getting it from him. Now, it could be my fault as a director too. I'm a first time director. It's really only like my second time working with actors. You know, I'll, I'll take partial responsibility. Maybe I'm not guiding him the way he needs or the way he's used to, but I'm trying my best and I'm just not getting a performance from him. So eventually I'm like, look, man, I don't, I don't think this is going to work out. I'm really sorry. And, you know, he's upset, but he leaves. And I'm like, okay, I got to go test this other guy. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I've, I've rented all this equipment. I have all this stuff going. I'm like, what can I do? Okay, here's what I got to do. Um, I'm going to test this guy. If it doesn't work, I'm going to step in and play the part. I was like, I'm not a fucking actor. But it's like the shit's got to get done. So, like, yeah, that's, that's what movie, it comes down to. Absolutely. The movie, the movie is this close, like an inch away from me writing, directing, producing, and acting in it, <laughs> which I did not want to do. I had no interest in being on camera, especially in that role. Like, I could have, I could probably could have played Bart. You know, the funny guy, like I could, right. I could, I could do those monologues. Like, you know, that's like how I, that's like my bits basically that I put in there. So right. it's like, I, I could have done some of that shit, but you know, um, the, the guy who, uh, got the gig, uh, fucking, I almost called him Bart. Um, I can't remember his name right now. Adam. Adam. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Adam DiCarlo. He's a freaking great actor in real life too. Uh, he did way better than I could have done. And you know, um, Andrew, who was uh, Rob, he did way better than I would have done either. But that was like my backup plan. I bring him in the car. Boom, I'm getting everything I need from him. He's not the, the, um, he's not what Rob was in my head. Like, mm. you know, he's very slight of frame. Yes. Um, he's not a typical leading man. He kind of looks more like Anthony Perkins. Like, yes. you know, like he could play like uh he could be like a psycho style guy. And it's not saying he's a psycho, but, you know, he has that vibe. He's not your traditional leading man. Whereas um, the big guy, Joe, uh, that's the actor named Joe Piccarolo. He's awesome too. Great dude. Um, he plays Craig, who's like, you know, the jacked guy. So I wanted them to kind of almost be mirrors of each other. Right. Right. And, you know, you have your kind of like, good leading guy and your bad leading guy and like, you know, they're kind of stuck in the middle, but they're friends and like all that stuff. So that was like, okay, well, um, you know, at the time I was thinner too. I, it what it wouldn't have been like as, but I was like, okay, it's Rob, but that's what it is. That's why that we have an ad lib. It's not written in the script, but there's a line about like, uh, I couldn't even touch him on the mat if we were the same size. He's like Spider-Man yes. out there. Yes. Yeah. That is completely ad lib to kind of, you know, make it make sense why, like, he's, like, you know, kind of respected in the glue of this group because he's so slight a frame. It just makes it, um, just makes it a little odd that you wouldn't see that type of casting in a movie. So. Which I love, by the way. I love that. I do that myself here in, in, in Reno. 
Okay. Good. Uh, you know, it's it, it was kind of a happy accident, and he's great, so that it kind of worked out. And I think him and my lead actress had good chemistry, so it, it worked out better. But they knew each other, right? They knew each other, yeah. So, you know, they were they were close. And um, so uh, we planned the shoot, right? And this is the, the part where shit really... The movie changes drastically from this moment. So I contacted this guy. And he was going to build me a giant, almost like egg, right? Picture like a giant silver egg. And it was supposed to crash land in the backyard. And it was going to, and he started building it. It was going to be fiberglass and shiny and all cool. And it had smoke vents running in it for fog and like all this stuff, right? It looked like a really, it was going to be a really cool thing. Like the way he was describing it. I saw him in the building process. So how did you get a hold of this guy? This guy, I honestly forget how I came into contact with okay, him. Okay, okay. Wasn't like a Craigslist or a... No, like I, someone who knew someone who put me in touch with him. So the guy right. was like, I need this, this, and this equipment to complete it. Buy this stuff for me and, you know, and buy the materials and you won't have to... Uh, you don't have to worry about anything, right? So I was like, okay. So I buy all this wood and all this stuff. Like the day before shooting... His wife is like, oh, it fell on his head. It's not going to be completed. What the fuck does, what the fuck does that mean? It fell on his head and killed him? <laughs> She's like, he's alive. He just can't complete it. So you're fucked, basically. Oh, my God. And, and this is the day before shoot. And a good chunk of the script, and one of, this is one of my many problems with the movie, is that it's not paced the way it should have been and the way I always knew it would be paced. So day one of the shoot was going to be um, this like this big piece is in the thing and they're discussing like what it is and we had the whole day planned around this. Now the day before shooting comes and we're like, okay, that's out the window. That whole storyline like of figuring out what this thing is is gone. So what do we do now? And I'm like, okay, what we got to do is rearrange like based on who's available and everything. And we all I always knew that that like that one dolly shot in the movie where they go across. I always knew I wanted that shot and I was like, okay, and it's more complicated based on timing and everything else. And it's going to be a while. And, like, it's the way you have to light the backyard. And so lights are hidden and all that shit. We were like, the only thing we can do is start out with this, which is kind of the most complicated shot in the movie. It's a very simple, cheap movie. We had to start out with the dolly shot. And, like, that day was so fucking bad. Morale was low. Um, Steve got sick shooting that day and he was gone the rest of the shoot so that was his last day on set steve left the movie after that he was sick um and now i had to drive from my house on the other end of the ferry on Staten island all the way to the ferry to pick up the actors every day drive them back at three in the morning come back you know set up and all this shit my mother god bless her soul let me turn the house into like almost a movie studio. Sure. 
Sure. Or, you know, like people were living there and all this stuff. It was just chaos. Like she was cooking food for everybody. And we did this fucking thing. And um, so we end up making all the adjustments we got to make. And we're trying to pace the movie and all this stuff. And day one was so bad. Like I had all like I had friends there who really weren't like a part of the movie that were just kind of there to hang out. And like it was just unprofessional. People were drinking. It was loud. It was, <laughs> I have one of those. I have one of those. It was as bad a day one as we could have started. And as I drove the actors home that day, Joe, uh, who plays Craig, pulled me on the on the side, and he was like, "Man, it's your money." But he's like, you you gotta like rein this ship in, or like this is gonna go really bad. Like you gotta like fix this. So, you know, he was right. The next day, like I, if you weren't like, it was a limited set, dry set, all the booze gone. Real quick, um, so I film weekends. Were you filming every day or just weekends? We filmed every day. Okay. So I'm of the I'm a very. You probably have a better approach. I'm of the mindset that when, especially in my experience, when you try to pause things and come back, even if it's a week, I find that shit just happens. People lose interest, all this stuff, and it's harder to keep everything in line. So I was like, we're starting on, it was August 20th. We're starting on August 20th. We're going nonstop until August 30th. We're mm-hmm. going to bang this fucking thing out in as much, in 10 days because that's all the money I got. So that well for me, well for me, it's like, and and everyone that I put in the movie, we all got Monday through Friday jobs. Yeah, I know. Part. So like, you know, I, I'm working so that I can make money to to put into whatever I need, props, costumes, and such. But like, uh, absolutely, the the big fear is, is losing that forward momentum. But uh, like, no one is invested necessarily in a paycheck. They're all invested in the experience for their reel and stuff, and they're invested in making having like a good product at the end of everything. So, uh, especially with this last movie I just made, not Midnight Bloodshed, um, but if tomorrow never comes, everyone was really cool. Everyone wanted to be there. There was no ego involved. So, like they were ready to go, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and, and with this movie, sometimes people would go weeks without <laughs> filming their scenes because it's kind of like two movies that kind of interconnect. But, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean with that fear of, of losing that momentum that we have going. And I think your approach probably is the right one. Like, honestly, like Christopher Nolan, that's how he shot following his first movie. And, like, I think that approach really can work. My thing is that I'm too neurotic and too distrustful of people where I'm like, it's just the worst case scenario is going to happen and it's just going to get fucked. No, I live with that for sure. So it's like, I, I just can't, I can't do that. And I know your, your approach works like Nolan did it. I just can't reconcile that in my brain. It's like, just have to keep going. So my actors, we actually didn't pay them on the movie. Um, Everybody... The way it worked was everybody got a piece of the movie. They all have ownership of the movie. If if I ever see the production budget back, which isn't going to ever fucking happen, they would, you know, be entitled at that point to, you know, a percentage going forward in perpetuity. Right. 
So I did that in lieu of payment. So everybody was on board. And, you know, we were mostly shooting nights, and if people needed to go somewhere or come back or whatever, they, they could. You know, we just had to work it out. So we did... Um, we did all that shit, uh, setting up the movie. So we rearranged the script at that point. And in the movie, there's all the buildup of like the first act of all the, getting to know all the characters, getting into the backyard. This alien crash lands in the backyard. And they don't know what it is. It's like a silver egg thing. And they're like, what is this? Is it shit from an airplane? You know, there's a couple of jokes. And... It ends up, you know, they discuss it for a little bit, and then one of them bashes it, then the, the whole hologram uh, force field shit happens like like you see in the regular movie, and, it, and that's kind of mostly the same. We cut out a couple pages here and there. Mm-hmm. So I think it wouldn't have been so sudden of a jerk like it is when you watch the real final version if that prop was there like I wanted it. So that kind of rushed the pace, and it caused on the back end like extra dialogue that I probably would have removed to tighten things up. That stuff had to stay, because I I didn't want to invest everything and not have a feature at the end, so I needed to make sure the movie was, you know, 70 minutes minimum, and it's 72. Um, So... The way the movie plays out is that it would stay the same, or would the 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 crash happen like at the beginning? So they would they'd be in the backyard. All that stuff would be exactly the same, right? The scene when they see the crash, when they they're up on like the like kind of by the pool, they're talking and stuff, and yep. then the crash happens. That would happen, but they would go over and go like, "What the fuck is this thing? It's like a big metal thing," and they would talk about it. But, you, other, but otherwise, structurally, everything stays the same? Yeah, everything stays the same after that point. But I think what happens then is there's too much of a buildup from Crash to Alien, whereas I think you need that slower transition to kind of guide the audience that, like, this weird thing is happening, mm-hmm. you know? So that kind of was there, and, you know, the movie proceeds as kind of mostly normal from there you know there's a few changes but nothing i would i can even remember off the top of my head so it's nothing really significant you know right so the plan in my head when i did this was this would be part one of a series so part one would be these people end up kind of deciding the fate for fucking all of humanity and the movie ends on a cliffhanger where you don't know what's going to happen part two in my dream world where this movie, you know, was a success and I'm now like the new Kevin Smith. Part like two, a, blank, a blank check coming your way for future installments. Exactly. Part two would have been like this um, political thriller almost where the aliens have come to Earth. They've made it like a utopia. Everything is peace. Every nation on Earth has like disarmed. They've, there's no more military and stuff. And the last nation to get rid of their weapons and stuff is going to be in America. And there's the senator, and he's like the hard line, like, fuck you guys, I don't trust these aliens. And it's kind of him trying to uncover what they're really up to. And, you know, at the end, he finds out it's too late, and humanity's fucked. Part three would have been, like, 
years in the future where it's almost like aliens are controlling everybody and humanity kind of has to fight back with like sticks and shit to rebel against the aliens. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Did you write those? They never got written because this one, you know, didn't go anywhere. So it's like, I'm not going to waste my energy doing like a part two to something that didn't exist. But in my head, I was always like, if I ever made it, I would just do the political thriller without like the direct co connection, you know, mm. and kind of like in my head, it'd be like the spiritual sequel. Yeah. So none of the characters would have returned from the first one. No, they, they all die. <laughs> they, all, they, they all actually die in like that thing and um there's actually like um like they call it like a day like um where like they kind of commemorate the day the aliens made contact <clears throat> so there's like this they put like the whole house was incinerated and there's like a monument now for where the house was like in you know that second reality where they celebrate a day right Right. Interesting. Um, I, I do like the movie. I know that you dog it, and I, I get why you do, because I dog my stuff too, right? Uh, you know, I would, I would work on it until it was perfect, which would never ever happen, and, and I understand pacing and dialogue on, on a low-budget independent movie. You know, it, it's, it's hard making drama for, uh, you know, at, at this level, because you've got a bunch of people no one's ever heard of saying a bunch of lines that no one gives a shit about, right? Yeah. No, one, no one knows me or my people. It's hard, you know? And, like, I think the actors, honestly, they all give great performances. Um, I think they all nail their parts. Like, they carry that movie. Like, I, you know, it, I'm a, especially back then, I wasn't really a good director. So it's like I'm kind of learning what to do. I never worked with a DP before. You know, I really don't understand too much. Like, I'm learning lenses as we're doing it, all that shit. So that was kind of really my real film school, was doing that movie and, and learning everything. So those actors, you know, I will thank them forever. Um, that movie, like, led to so many other things and, like, progressed me. Like, I, I'm always, I'll always be grateful the movie exists, and I'm always, like, really proud that I made a movie, because not everyone does. And there's so many people that sit around thinking, like, about, oh, I could make a movie, and they never actually do it. And it's like, yes. guys like me and you, we actually have fucking done it, for better or worse. And it's like, not everyone gets to do that. So, I'm proud of that. Like, some of the things in the movie, they just, like, give me such cringe now, like, like, there's that obvious Clerks reference where, like, I um, I recently had to pull a clip from the movie for my podcast because we were talking about it. And every time that she says, we're not even supposed to be here today, oh, yes, it yes, makes yes. my skin fucking crawl. Like, Brian, you <laughs> stupid douche, why did you have to reference Clerks? My movies, all of them are littered with movie references up and down, whether it's Kevin Smith stuff or just shit i like you know so yeah. it's you know what it's like that line just didn't need to be there it's like <laughs> it's like everyone knows that like the whole first half of the movie is like i was like i wanted to look like mall rats at the beginning kind of you know well it's funny because uh in high school for me and i'm i'm a little bit older than you how old are you i'm 36 well i'm gonna be 36 Okay, and I'm 38. I just turned 38. Okay. But in high, high school, our drama group uh, kind of 
revolved around like the humor of Kevin Smith and stuff. And this one dude uh, that I went there with, they just did a, a Jaws parody uh, stage version in a, at a local theater, and he was one of the writers. And all of his jokes are like Kevin Smith references, and it's cringy. It's cringy for me because it's like I I know that those are his out of like the five writers or whatever. And like I I get it. it's it's yeah it is a little cringy, but like it's fine. You did one little <laughs> reference, and it's it's fine. So. Yeah, it's like that one hurts me. Um, and then, like, I th the whole thing with, like, um, the guy, well, with the main character where the girl cheated on him with the Coast Guard thing. So that isn't exactly what happened to me, but it kind like, not really. So sure. it's, like, it's, like, so mundane and, like, it's just so immature. Um, there was this girl. We went on a date. I liked her. And we were at a party together, and she, like, ended up, uh, you know, like, dating this Coast Guard guy. And then I think they – I don't know if they got married. I know they ended up moving away together. <laughs> I, was, I was fucking butthurt. And I was like, well, I'm going to put that into my movie. And, like, oh, fuck her, you know? So, like – so I changed it a bit where they're dating, so there's more of an impetus, you know? Right, so it's a bit bigger of a... Of a yeah, idea. exactly. So I kind of combined that with, like, my one of my exes. So that's kind of where that, like... No, I love that stuff. That stuff is great. All of that's great, you know? And I, I love when, when they start turning on each other, right? They're, like, best friends. And I, I think I messaged this to you, too, when I watched it, like, where she gets all fucking shitty to her friend. <laughs> it's so... I love that stuff. I do. I really do. Uh, yeah, so, like, the movie in my head was honestly, like... And the whole series is really like kind of an allegory for American politics. And each character actually um, represents a different side of American politics. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you represent this and you represent this. And I, I can't tell you what it is off the top of my head right now other than like, you know, like... Um, Conservative, liberal... Yeah, like like different things. Like I know like I told um, Craig, Joe, the, the guy who plays Craig, I know I pulled him to the side... And because he didn't, he actually asked me, he's like, can I not kill him? I feel like that's extreme for my character. And I was like, well, there's, you know, I think it would have worked better if we had the build up from the beginning too. like things would have been slowly progressing a bit more. <clears throat> but he's like, I don't think I should kill him. And I was like, it, I pulled him to the side. I was like, look, your character is like representing kind of this fear based extremist act of American politics. And I was like, that's why you have to kill him. Because it's like, you that's what you represent. You know, I was like, this character represents this. And so you have to kill him. And like, you know, just that. and like Mass hysteria. Exactly. And it's like, the whole thing is like this kind of Hobbes versus Rousseau thing. And like, philosophy. And I really, I call it the Senate shot. Where again, this is another mistake I made. Where there's one shot where the alien is on the ground and all the characters are gathered around him in like kind of a circle. There actually is coverage for that, but none of the coverage was matching up well with what yep. they were doing. Yep. So, I, so me and the editor uh, at the time, I didn't even edit my own stuff. Now I would probably just push in manually. You know, I would do like a manual zoom. I think. But back then, you know, I didn't know, even know that was a thing. So I, we just kept it this wide Senate shot. Um, so who played the alien? The alien. Okay. And, and, the, and the makeup and everything and the design. 
So the alien makeup was going to be like a little more elaborate, like um there's gonna be like wires and like kind of like a gas mask as it like it laid in like the um the the ship, the craft. So that was the original plan. And you know, we ended up, uh, Steve, my producer, his cousin came and she was the makeup artist. Uh, she did the makeup. So we had one of the actresses that auditioned that didn't get the role was a really sweet girl named, uh, Ed, Ed Maselli, Ed Maselli Pena. And she was really awesome. And she was like kind of our PA. She would come down and help out just like kind of happy to be there. And I asked her, I was like, would you want to be the alien? And she was like, yeah. So, you know, we got, or we got like the black leotard and like they did the makeup to her and they did that whole thing and they made her an alien. And, uh, you know, they, they made it up and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All she did was get to lay down on the ground. Yeah, she just had to lay there. And then, you know, we, we did the dubbing. Um, the effects were done. That was you, right? That was your voice? Uh, I'm one of the voices. I'm uncredited. It's actually um, the my friend. He's a guitarist in a band called Theater of the Absurd. Um, it's him and me and I think someone else. And we put our voices together and, like, you know, we did some modulation shit. Right, right. Uh, the effects were done by – I put an ad on Craigslist – um, and his director, Michael Akers, he direct, he's a gay dude. He directs gay movies, mm-hmm. like independent gay film. And he was just starting to dabble with like after effects. And he was like, you know, I met him at a bar after like, uh, he, we got in touch and he was a really cool dude. And I told him what, you know, what the deal with the movie is. And he's like, okay, cool, man. Yeah. I would love to like test my skills and like work on learning this for your movie. And he did it, you know? And he's a really awesome dude. So, um, so uh, how about the camera? Was that your DP's camera, or did you buy one, rent one? That was Do my DP. Was that was my DP's camera. We shot on. You know, this is 2012. We're shooting, so that's a Canon 5D, I believe. Uh, do you know what you shot in? Was that 1080? Yeah, we were definitely 1080. 4K, I don't think, was even really available like that back then. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was it was 1080p. It wasn't raw. It wasn't anything like that, you know? But we, we had a fair amount of lights and, like, all this stuff. And the thing I would preach on set was, like, speed and efficiency. And, you know, Alex, you know, he moved as quick as he could while still lighting pretty damn well. Like, I think the movie, for a movie that is so cheap and is in one good location, I think there's a lot you can knock about the movie, even, like, my shot selection. I think that the people I hired to do their jobs, other than sound, were all fucking fantastic. Like, the movie, I think, looks great for the budget. Alex killed it. I think the performances are great. Like, I, I wish that I had focused more on sound as well. It was kind of something that just went over my head, you know? So, um, he he did the lighting also? He did the lighting. There were a couple of times where we had different people come and help out, you know? Put lights up and things like that. Run electric wires. You know, various lighting shit. But it was I mean, mostly it was, just him. 
at least you had a house to do it. Like, and, you know, you saw my movie Midnight Bloodshed. We're yeah. out in the fucking woods. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, running off of fucking batteries. But uh, I, I, you were about to talk about sound. So did you have a sound guy or no? This is the biggest oversight I made. Um, I didn't hire a professional sound person. I was like, my friends, you guys do music. You can do movie sound. Nope. Very different. (laughs) It's like, they're not worried about ambient noise and crickets and like adjusting the frequencies. So those things come out. It's like, and they, and they just don't know. And it's, it's not their fault. It's my fault. Uh, Hold on. Now, hold on a second. Um, what was the equipment that was being used to, to record the sound? We had rented uh, this giant fucking mixer. I can't remember like the tech, what it is now. And we rented we rented two big audio things, a really good boom mic, and obviously a boom pole. You know, and we had wires. We had right, some, we right. had some labs uh, for the um, the car scene. But yeah, that that was it. It was mostly boom. Okay, so <laughs> so you're saying like the crickets and stuff that wasn't added in in post. If I remember when I you know because you know after we did the movie, I needed someone to try to save the sound, and I brought it to like a sound editor, and he's like, I you know I've done what I could in this spot and this spot. He added some crickets, but he's like that was mostly for consistency because. We yeah, had, yeah. We had real crickets. Absolutely. That's, that's <laughs> you'll hear like air conditioners going on and off and like shit like that. It's like it's the middle of the summer. I can't yes. go. I can't go next door to my neighbors and be like, I already have all these lights and people talking to like three, four in the morning every day. I can't be like, yo, turn your AC off, sweat your balls off, you know? Yeah, no, a- AC definitely a pain in the ass. For sure, I, I'm gonna have to deal with that. I'm on my on the edit right now with my current movie, and okay. uh, you always forget about it, right? And you don't even it's it's just in the environment. And then when you go and you're listening, you're like, oh fuck my ass. Yep. the The good thing now, though, I think like things like AI really have made it possible to clean those things up so much easier now. Like, there's um this. Ad- uh, Adobe does this one, I think it's called Enhance or Behance. If you put in Adobe for podcasts or whatever, and you run your audio in there, it'll remove like all background noise. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I don't know how it would work on a movie, but you know, it's something I would try to do with the audio if uh if I needed to. It's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah. Uh my DP, uh He's a buddy of mine. Uh, he kind of does all the audio mixing and the coloring, right? Okay. So, like, we, we're kind of our own two-man crew here for for pre, uh, you know, during and, and, and post, so. Yeah, you do it all yourself, which now I know how to edit. Like, I never really knew how to edit at that time, so, like, I would always outsource it to Steve or I hired an editor. And I also fucking hate editing. It's my least favorite part. So yep. it was it was something that I was happy to get someone to do. Now I would probably take on the responsibility myself. See, my only like I would love to do that. I would love to be like, here, take all this and fucking edit it. But I would hate to lose like 
certain angles, certain shots based on somebody else's own subjectivity yeah. to, to it. Because I, I, I like to film off the cuff, right? We got a script, but I don't, uh, I don't emphasize memorizing because uh, it's great. It helps. But like if, if they kind of have an idea of what I wrote and they say what they would say anyways based on that, it, it loses my voice, which is what I, I'm hoping for and sounds like their own self and their own character. And, and I love the magic little moments that come from like the improv and somebody like, I don't know, knocking something over, right? Something that's not quite so clean. I, I love the, the non clean takes. I, I, I love the, the, uh, the, the real chaos. moments. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and so, if I were to give that to somebody to edit, they might be like, oh, well, that's that's a bad take. I'll just go with the, the basic, you know, here's the close-up, here's the wide yeah. or whatever. I hear you. I mean, with my editor, I sat there every step of the way with him. Okay, there you go, there you go. So I, I was always there, and I was like, I like this take better or that take. You know, I just didn't do the hands-on stuff. Now I would probably just, you know, do it myself and get it done. I'll I'll do the first uh, uh, run through, right? Okay. I I will edit everything. I'll put the movie together, and then my buddy Greg will come in and, and do the the tightening up of everything. Cause like I want to fucking kill myself by the time I'm done editing shit. Cause it fucking sucks. I hate sitting it. there. Yeah, sitting there for hours on end to get like five minutes of something. Yep. And, you know, I've gotten so much more used to that now with, like, doing Tell Him Steve Dave stuff. But back then, it was, like, just brutal, you know? I absolutely know, man. Yeah. I absolutely know. Uh, I feel like there was more. I was gonna, I got lost in the conversation. No, this is good. Uh, radio silence. No. Um, well, you're... <laughs> so your movie, the... Uh, the unexpected guest, uninvited guest, uninvited guest. Fuck. Yeah, uh, is on Amazon for. It's PBS on Amazon Prime. Prime. Don't buy. watch it. Anybody listening, save your save your time. <laughs> you know, like if if people on filmmakers on our level, they'd get it. I totally get it. Like you know, uh, like I said, I've watched it twice now. So yeah, I don't know how. Like I don't know if I've watched it twice since it's come out. No, because I, I mean, you know, it's it's just like my movies. Uh, you know, you, you got, you can only, you're limited to time and money. You know, if I had all the money in the world and all the time in the world, right, it, we'd get something, you know, probably a little bit better. Tell me about it. <laughs> so, not... you didn't, you weren't working during the process? So, I actually had been fired from Outback Steakhouse uh, that's a great story. I just watched that story. So that story <laughs> is I got fired, you know, for long story short, I beat a guy up in a parking lot. <laughs> like and friend and uh, everything, uh, all of all of Brian's, uh, you know, socials, that yeah. story is on his Facebook. That's it, where I saw it. Yeah, if you go on Reviewing History and you look up the Ninja, it, it's there. It's called the Ninja Story. They We go into more detail about it, but the long story short is I fought someone in a parking lot. <laughs> I got fired. So then I was uh, on unemployment and I was um, delivering pizza 
And while I was delivering pizza off the books, my car got totaled and I no longer had a job because I couldn't drive. So I was unemployed at that time and I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do this movie. And and your crew also, like you just said, you weren't paying like your actors. They didn't have a job? Uh, the only person to make money from the movie is the DP. Sure. You know, because he's like, look, I get a lot of gig offers and stuff like that. So he got paid. I'm not going to say what he got paid, but it was decent, especially for me back then. And we were all younger people. We were, you know, in our early 20s. So, you know, he did it. Everybody else got a percentage of ownership in the movie. I made it very clear to people is like, look, I can't afford to pay actors. You know, my philosophy with actors, especially at that level, is there's so many young, hungry, desperate actors and, you know, talent is what it is. There's obviously a variance, but I feel you could find someone with enough talent and desperation where they're willing to do it without money at a low budget level. Just drop the desperation from that sentence. No, it's, it's not. It's like, de- like I'm desperate too. It's a desperation to make it and succeed. You know, like it's, it's it's a will and like you're you're desperate for victory or you're desperate for whatever. So and these were all really good people and they knew that like I'm not a rich person. I'm putting all my own money into this. It's like I'm trying to make the best thing I can. If I'm paying actors, it's going to take away from like lights and cameras and like, you know, I didn't realize shit audio, but it would take away from audio. So it's like we all kind of gambled together. I gambled every cent I had. They gambled their time. And it was one of the things where it was like, look, if it hits, if, if, if this is a hit, you know, you guys will make way more than you ever would have. Like for Everyone wins. for every actor on a movie to get, you know, a, they, they got a decent percentage too to get a decent percentage of the, of the movie is, is rare, you know? So it's like even like the guys on Clerks, they didn't they didn't see anything. That's why they had a hard time getting Jeff Anderson back for the third one because he didn't make money on Clerks too. It's like right, um, but but no one was working. Like your actors didn't have like jobs that they had to like you had to schedule around. Uh, a couple did, but they took off. You know, there was enough notice. Like it was it was just kind of a big thing. Like. You know, I I wanted people who could do it and were willing to. Pause. Yeah, exactly. It's like this. This is what it is. It's not happening another way. If you're not on board, it's okay. You know, I'll try to find someone else. Because we had so many people audition. You know, eventually I I was gonna find someone. How many did you have audition? Uh, I, mean, I guess it's New York, so like you have a pick of the litter of, of that group. That's here in Reno. Basically, I do auditions and pretty much cast everyone that audition. Yeah, it's like you you have the disadvantage of having a smaller pool. Where I'm in New York City, it's one of the biggest cities in the world. So it's like we yep. do, every time I've done auditions, I've done them several times now for different projects. It's like you end up getting such like a crazy amount of people like every time we're like no one's going to show up to this this person's not going to show up whatever we will be booked in auditions from the moment we start 
until the moment we end. Like, we'll be there 12 hours in the audition room, no food or water breaks, just reading with actors constantly, you know? Did they know up front that it was uh, a no-paid, not a non-paid gig? I'm pretty sure that the website I was using made you put that. Okay, okay. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Did you have any weather issues while filming? No, we didn't have any rain or anything, thankfully. So, Uh, (laughs) that was a bit lucky. We always had to deal with, like, especially on Midnight Bloodshed, uh, the gas station scene was filmed over two days, two separate weekends. Uh, the first weekend was, like, the podcast crew and, like, the bikers. And it was windy as fuck, and it was cold as fuck, and it was snowing sometimes, and it was raining sometimes. Uh, and then the following Saturday, we filmed with, like, the, the camping kids over by the, the pumps, and it was, like, perfect weather. Okay. So, like, in the the podcasting section of it, you see people wearing coats, and then in the the kids, you see them, like, taking coats off. Like, they take coats off before rolling because, (laughs) you know, but I've got a good, uh, you know, editor that knows how to color it and make it look fine. Yeah. And, you know, we had a... We had a nice dead cat on our uh, on our boom, and like that wind was not really an issue. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like um, I thought Reno honestly was like desert, like static weather all year round. So I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is it's desert, but it's also like you know we're in a valley, we're surrounded by mountains, uh, but we do have we got hot summers. And we got cold winters, and it's like, wait five minutes, and it'll change. You know, it'll go from, like, blue skies to rain, back to blue skies. You know, maybe snowing by the end of the day, or when you wake up, the fucking ground is covered in snow. And it's like, I thought we were, like, in May here. What the fuck is going on? Uh, Vegas is a little bit better about uh, not getting snow, but it still gets cold during the winter. Yeah, I, I honestly was not under that perception with Reno, so I learned <laughs> today. What's the farthest you made it out west? Vegas. Oh, so you've been to Vegas? I've been to Vegas, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, and, and what month did you go to Vegas? Uh, I went to Vegas twice. Once as a kid in July. Sure. Um, and then we went for my bachelor party in April. Okay, so April probably wouldn't have been so bad. Probably not, like, cracking 100. So, I, it it was hot, but I honestly don't mind, like, hot weather. I hate humidity, which is, like, what, oh, yeah. which, which is what New York has, you know? So I'll, oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, New York is so fucking humid. It's, like, worse than Florida sometimes. Like, really? I'll, yeah. This is I'll, nice to it's, me. It's so gross. Like, I'll, I'd rat, like, when I was, like, walking around Vegas, I think we had a 100-degree day. I was, like... It's hot, but like this shit ain't that bad. Like I, <laughs> yeah, no, humidity sucks for sure. Uh, yeah, no, it's dry and it's nice. I do like the heat more. I hate snow, and I, I've lived in Reno for you know, thirty six out of my thirty eight years. <laughs> so, what was your first movie? Um, the. My first canon movie that I like to consider as far as being, like, a filmmaker would be 
Street Meets Pavement. We made that 10 years ago. That was our first feature. Oh, wow. Prior to, well, you know, I did shit in high school and then out of high school, uh, you know, the drama kids and myself, like, you know, got a camera and started writing scripts and making like shorts, uh, you know, hour long stuff and really tried to buckle down and do it seriously. But like Street Meets Pavement, which I made 10 years ago, uh, is what I call my first movie. It's the first one I have on my internet movie database. Okay. Uh, thing. So, yeah, we did that 10 years ago and uh, kind of haven't really looked back since. So, like, the one I just finished just now is my sixth movie. Six. Nice. <laughs> You're living the dream, man. Like, I wanted to be a Woody Allen. I wanted to put out a movie a year. But, uh, you know, it's a lot harder. You know, so... We made Midnight Bloodshed last year, and I released it January 13th of this year, Friday the 13th, okay. right? Uh, so it, it's, 20, it's a 2023 movie, and we just finished this one, and the one guy in my movie was like, when are you going to put it out? And I was like, oh, next spring. I want it to be nice weather for the premiere. He's like, you know, if you put it out this year, you'll have two movies out in the same year. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. That's really tempting to have two movies out in the same year. That's cool to do. So don't, don't fucking say that, dude. I'm already like, I, I don't want to do that. Pressure? Like, it would be cool, though. It's just like when we premiered Midnight Bloodshed, like I, I'm used to doing like a late August premiere and, mm -hmm. and it's nice. But like everyone's wearing jackets. It was raining. Like, it, like I was scared to death that it was going to be fucking snowing and just like ruin everything. But it was, it was raining because we had a really bad winter this year. Um, and just people like, I'm like, Hey, dress nice. You know, like it's the prom or whatever for the premiere. And, and like they did, but like they're wearing jackets and shit and people are just sitting in the seats wearing like these puffy jackets. And it's like, I want people to be comfortable yeah. and just like, you know, want to go out and do something afterwards or maybe do something before. So, <sighs> I get it. I don't know, man. <laughs> I get it. But so, even if you did one a year, I think that's still really awesome. Like that's Woody, Woody Allen, man. You know, that's his thing. I mean, like I wish most filmmakers would do one a year, right? I think the Coens were kind of close to doing one a year. I think they did two one year. I think Burn After Reading came out the same year as uh, maybe uh, No Country for Old Men. In the same year, that's like crazy. Those are like two great movies in one year. It's like I I I think it it might not have been within the same year, but like it might have been like the month difference was less than 12. Yeah, they're right around the same, you know, time frame, which is crazy. I, I think Burn After Reading might have came out that spring and No Country might have came out... Like know, December. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and, and I wish that... But then you get, like, Quentin Tarantino who puts out one, like, every, like, six. Yeah, exactly. He's like, when I, when I feel like it, you know? Uh, and for me, it's like... Every time I write a movie, I'm like, this is the one guy. Like, we make a movie, and, like, I think everyone's jazzed, and I'm like, I'm going to write the next one, this one, you can be this character, and so on. And then I'm like, let's get together for a read-through, and no one wants to. Everyone's like, no, I'm too busy. And I end up writing, like, five scripts before we actually make one, because I'm just 
like striking while the iron is hot. <laughs> so like I've got I'm sitting on scripts, man. So I could That's knock awesome. one out a year every year if I needed to. <laughs> yeah, I am not uh, that prodigious with the writing. There's, you know, I'm at the point where it's like, you know, I'm not able to sell the scripts really. So it's like I'm only writing it if I'm making it, you know. And and uh, absolutely, and like there are movies that I've had ideas for that I think would be great, but I'm like, I can't motivate myself to write it if I know that I'm not also going to make it. Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's it's fun to do. Like, there's this western that I've had in my head since I'm 17 years old. And, like, I th- still, to this day, think it could be such a cool fucking movie. But I'm like, I'm not going to write it because <laughs> I don't have the budget to shoot a Sergio Leone-style fucking three-hour, you know, western. A western epic, absolutely. And, you know, all my guys, you know, my DPs, like, let's shoot a western. And I always want to do a western, too. And, like, we've got the desert. I don't have the horses. Okay. <laughs> you know, we could throw jeans and a duster on somebody, absolutely. But like, we're gonna be standing out in the desert. <laughs> a lot of a lot of horse noises and like shots from like uh, the chest up as a guy's like uh, this, you know. Look, dude. I mean, having watched Midnight Bloodshed, there's like a couple of shots in there where like there's the van, but like then we flip it around to pretend like there's a van. Like weed is like pulling a dead body out of the van. We had no van that day, or the you know the dead body actress. Yeah. So like, if you go back and you watch, and then like he's running around the other side, and the dude's like, "Yo, you coming?" And he's like, "I gotta get my bike." You know, no one's there. He's yeah. just talking to the camera. <laughs> so like, yeah, it would be like okay, just kind of trot. Yeah. <laughs> while we're just go like this up and down. <laughs> we'll get some stock footage of like horse feet. Yeah, <laughs> just exactly. Just those together. Go to, like, a local ranch. Hey, do you mind if I just, like, kind of shoot your horse's feet real quick? Oh, you know what? Now that you mention it, I know someone with horses. But, no, we're not going to Oh, yeah, that. here we go. to a Western. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not close with them, right? It's like a friend's girlfriend's, like, family. They've got, like, goats and uh, horses. But then it's like, hey, <laughs> can we take these out? <laughs> you don't even have to take them out. Just shoot like some footage of them, like like their their feet moving around. You know? Uh, yeah, but it's like a neighborhood. So like you got like a house, you know, in the background over there. Uh, you really have to be real tight and real careful. Real about tight it. on the hooves, yeah. <laughs> Man, I forgot all about that. What were we talking about? I lost track of where we were. We're talking about Western. Movie a year. Movie a year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and writing. Like, I write like crazy just because, like, and every movie that I write, it's like, this is the next one we're going to do. But then people, like, fucking flake out on me and we don't do it. Um, Like, people get burnt out, right? And we get tired of seeing each mm-hmm. other. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to see you ever again now that we're done. Uh, but, uh, and, and, 10 years ago, 2013, when we made Street Meets Pavement, it was like a tight friends group, right? We didn't audition. We just had the people who wanted to do it. Like, I had uh, moved away to Colorado for a year and kind of left everyone behind. And I came back, and I was talking to the guys, and it's like, let's let's get the band back together, man. And let's fucking let's make a movie. And we did. <laughs> 
And we did back-to-back. I took, like, kind of the same crew. They were still game and some of the new friends that I made. And, like, we made... And, and, and the people who watched the other ones were like, I want to do a movie with you guys. So I wrote parts for them. Never really had to audition for those roles because we had the people who were interested. Uh, you know, and then life changes, and I didn't make something for, like, another couple of years. 2016 was a, a big, huge abortion for Street Toughs. <laughs> like, uh... Uh, like you were talking about, oh, something that you were talking about that reminded me of, of that. Prop not arriving. It was, it was, oh, it was not having, that's what it was. So night moves, I wrote night moves. This one dude was like, Hey, let's work together on something, a local theater guy. And I thought he was going to bring a bunch of people that would be interested in auditioning. And like, no one showed up to that audition. And so I didn't have, like, I went on vacation and I was like, if we don't have a lead for this movie, when I come back, we're not doing it. And we'd shot a little bit and uh, I knew that we weren't going to have a lead. So I, I, we went to Japan for like a honeymoon uh, and I wrote another movie while like in Japan, right? I'd write in the morning when I wake up, I'd write at night before I go to bed. And when I came back, I was like, this is the one we're going to do. At that point, like the, the the cast is getting smaller and smaller, and it's the and that one ended up not getting made either because I knew the people that I needed weren't going to be willing to show up when I needed them to. So then the third movie, I wrote the lead for myself, and <laughs> I'm playing the lead in that movie. And then the other couple of leads are the other guys who were with me through the process. So yeah, that's that's what it was that you were talking about that reminded me of Street Toughs. Yeah, it's like. You know, you're the person you can always count on. So it, this was going to be my second feature. Um, I was going to do a mockumentary kind of like Christopher Guest style. And mm -hmm. it was going to star me, Steve, and Ant as fictionalized versions of ourselves. And we did two days of shooting. And then the project kind of lost all momentum and died. You know, it like, like so the premise was I'm myself, but I've made 10 shitty movies that haven't really went anywhere. And it's all kind of failures and flops and really shitty movies. But I think they're great and like high art and all this. <laughs> Anthony is the actor in all of them. And he's like super pompous and he thinks he's like this incredible actor. Right. Like, you know, and he like the way he talks is like such a douchebag. And Steve is kind of the straight man, and but he's really nervous and stuff. So the movie is about me trying to make my 10th movie and like it's like following me behind the scenes as I like try to get money together and do this and this and like you know we shot all of like Ant's kind of interview stuff where it's like him talking and we shot all of Steve's interview stuff with him talking and then it just kind of from there just like petered out and died it was like taking too long to get everyone together and various things would come up and it just kind of died on the vine. We, so prior to Street Meets Pavement in 2013, uh, in 2009, uh, my first wife, she got laid off and she wrote this zombie movie. And we'd met a couple new people and we're like, let's make this zombie movie. Like, she gets laid off, let's go buy a camera. <laughs> you know, we lost an income, but we're going to take a credit card and go buy a camera from Best Buy and let's fucking make something. And we were spending every weekend that summer at this one dude's apartment trying to make this movie while the majority of them were fucking, like, getting drunk yeah. and, like, partying. And 
Like, we ended up not finishing that movie and just took the people who we were still friends with at the end of that process and just asking the interviewing them for the movie. So that's kind of our first proper feature is like a, a mockumentary, like, and it's cut between like interviews and then the footage that we had uh, all the way to the end. So that's like an hour and a half movie. And like some of the story, like it's, it's like someone who doesn't know the behind the scenes, like you'd have trouble picking out which are the real stories and which are the ones we made up. Yeah. Because of all the fucked up shit that was going on when people were getting fucking drunk and like arrested, you know what I mean? So like, uh, you know, that's that's you know we kind of did that too with the uh, dealing with people getting you know drinking when we should be making a movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like failure can be pretty funny when you uh, when you take the time to really play with it and you know acknowledge it. So that was kind of what the goal was with that. But it just lost all momentum and died. My next thing, I want it to be a slasher. I've settled on that. Um, the the one like the one that we, we've talked about? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't want to say anything if you don't want me to say anything. Um, I don't want to say too much about it. I just want to say like I want it to have a decent amount of nudity and uh, a decent amount of <laughs> I will say, that was my one beef with uh, with Midnight Bloodshed. I'm a big, I'm a big, like, Jason fan, and, like, the re- one of the reasons I like that those movies is, like, all the tits. Was sure. that a thing on your part where you, where you felt uncomfortable asking the actresses? Uh, only because no one was getting paid. Like, okay. I've got no problem doing that. But only if I like. Here's your compensation for doing such. Okay, I got you. Um, so like, I, I I write movies on with the understanding that like, no one's gonna get paid, right? And, yeah. and I know what I can do. But like, if I had the money, I would absolutely probably put that. There'd probably definitely be more of that in there. <laughs> okay. And, and this is something that I've talked about recently: is uh, the gore aspect. Is like, I would love to just dump a bucket of blood on people. <laughs> Well, that's but, a budget thing, yeah. Um, but, like, we don't have, like, a second costume. We're out in the woods. We don't have, like, oh, go quick, shower off, put on your second costume, let's do it again. So, like, I am so hesitant to, like, dump blood on somebody if they can't, especially if it's like, okay, we're still out here in California filming, like, an hour away from the nearest shower. You're done. Go sit and, and stew in your fucking blood while we keep filming other shit, you know what I mean? Yep. So like that's that's the one thing that holds me back from all the gore that I want to put in, but I just wrote a new movie that I would really like to just go balls to the wall gore with the, uh, with the gore 100% absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I don't um, honestly I really thought your movie like as far as the kills was handled very well and effectively. It's just like I was like, "Oh man, I want to see some tits." <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, my favorite Friday the Thirteenth Part Six has no nudity in it. That's your favorite. That's that, I think that's that's it's a, it's a it's a battle between uh, first and second, either the the second uh, the third movie where he gets the mask or the sixth movie. Those kind of bounce back and forth. Three is time. my favorite. Three is is classic. Yeah, six six I know people love, but to me, it's missing a lot of the elements that I love in the series. You know, I mean, as as a kid, that was like the first one I really watched. Okay. So it stuck with me. I get you. 
Six is the one with the Bond opening, right? Where he comes yes. out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. So you should get that. You should you should appreciate that that Bond opening. Or do well, you hate it? Oh, I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> Any Bond reference, I'm like, I'm with, yeah. Absolutely. Um uh yeah, and uh I guess for those who don't know, I uh Midnight Bloodshed is now available to watch publicly. It's on my YouTube page. Uh am I still gonna pop in on your show? Yeah, we're uh we're hoping to do that episode uh e- either like the 28th or the 1st, I forget. Um but we'll I'll definitely talk to you when, when I know. Okay. I hopefully I can do it. I will be in the Philippines for the next 3 weeks after on Sunday. Oh, nice. Um If you can't do it, I'll plug the movie for you. I will do everything I can do it, even if like I'm up at like midnight to make sure that I call in, because it's about opposite like uh, the time zone over there. As okay. It is here. Um, but we'll we'll fucking make it happen. God damn it! All right. So. <laughs> um, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, is there anything you wanted to ask me, Tom, Steve, Dave, movie wise? Uh, anything you want to know? I don't know. Usually, I just hit you up whenever, like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm listening to something, and, uh, and you have an idea. Yes, uh, you know, I like having that back and forth. I like being able to. I like talking to you. You're available. It's nice to talk to someone who kind of gets it as far as movies go, and you know, ideas and creativity. There's not many people that you can kind of just talk with about that stuff, so it's nice. I feel like we're very parallel with the way the way we think, uh, and you know, listening to your show, I get that a lot. There was one episode where you guys were talking about like, I don't remember what it was, but like, I would have loved to have been in that conversation. I was um, it when we were talking about all the uh, like different movies and stuff. Because I remember there was an episode where you were messaging me and you were like, "You referenced this movie and this movie and this movie." No, that was that was the episode where you did Blonde, where you're dropping like Salo, uh, and you're talking about uh, Serbian film. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust was mentioned. Yes. And, uh, no, it was it was a little bit ago, a little bit longer than that. You guys were talking about like, I think just like the state of the way things are going. I uh, it might have been talking about. Were you guys ever talking about the strike? We didn't talk <laughs> about the strike. That was um, was that Chuck and Brad, and was that fun bearable? Were they were talking about the strike? No, it was just, it was one of your guys' episodes, but you guys were talking about something, and, and uh, it just it was it, it might not even been movie related. I don't know. We're talking eh, vaguely. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, was it the Marilyn Monroe episode? We oh, we spoke about the strike in that one. It might not even been about the strike, but it was it was just about something where it made me think about the Matrix and the way that like everything kind of just is is like it's going in a direction where like does it even really matter anymore? You know what I mean? Like, I, I totally forget what it was, but like, <laughs> as I was saying, like, we do have a, a like, I, I love the way you guys talk and the way you, you know, what you, you think about, and, and like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm right there with you guys, and, and it's cool that you're available to speak to a listener, um, because not everyone is. Yeah, it's like, look, I'm a loser. I got nothing going on most of the time, so like, I'm just happy that you know someone wants to talk to me. Um, I am gonna recommend. I'm gonna recommend you some things right now. All I, right. I think you'll appreciate that. Um, 
Are you familiar with Beat Takeshi? No. Okay. What I want you to do is, when we're done with this, I want you to look up this movie called uh, Hana B, H-A-N-A-B-I, or it's called Fireworks. It's by Beat Takeshi. I want you to watch that, and I want you to watch uh, Santane, two of of his movies. I think you're going to fall in love with him as a director. All right, I'll say, okay, what's what's his name? Beat, like B-E-A-T. All right. Takeshi, T-A-K-E-S-H-I. I'm probably spelling it wrong, but Google will help me out. Okay. All right, here we go. And what's the... Uh, Hanabi or Fireworks, depending on if they're using the Japanese or English title. And then the other one is Santane. I'll I'll message them to you too, so you can even remember. better, even better that but, way. Okay, but right, yes, when you watch them, especially Hanabi, message me because I think you're going to be like, this is a fucking masterpiece. It is great. <laughs> like, it is a phenomenal movie. Absolutely. Um, oh, you know, I I did I sent you the picture of where I put your your podcast shirt on on one of my yes. Actors. Oh, dude, that was so cool. I sent it to the guys. And I was like, I, I sent it in a screenshot to them, and I was like, they were like, what the hell is this? And I was like, someone's wearing our shirt in their movie. And he, and Ant was like, what the fuck? This is weird. Like, why is like someone wearing our shirt like this? And Steve was like, let's sue him for copyright infringement. <laughs> you know? and, and, you know, I just think it's so cool that, like, our show is liked enough by anybody where they would want to, like, wear it in a movie. You know, I think it's so awesome. Like, it really was, like, something that made my day. It, it was really fucking cool, dude. Well, I mean, and, you know, when you made your movie, you probably dealt with this. We're so limited in what we can uh, show. Like, you can't have people drinking Coke, right? Like, it's one thing if you just make it with no plans of, like, it going anywhere. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm telling everybody... You know, plain shirts, you know, no, like, name brands, don't do that shit. But, like, there are, you know, people that I know that I can reach out to. And I was like, hey, let me put, you know, so it's not so fucking plain and boring. It's it's so small in the movie when you see it, like, blink and you're going to miss oh, it. I wish it was in there longer. I, like, I had a plan for it to be in the connecting scene where uh, <laughs> where this dude ends up, like, banging somebody you don't see it but like she'd be wearing his shirt right? oh nice but that doesn't happen instead, instead, yeah no instead i put her in a costume that's a reference to an earlier movie because they go to the same location where it's like um the bikers they, they have like a like a whorehouse that's like a trailer yeah that they you know but they're wearing like geisha costumes i'm like oh why don't i just do that it's a reference to it but she would have been wearing a shirt I, I threw it in there, like, on a bookcase that she gets knocked into, but, like, it, it's it's really quick. I feel bad because <laughs> I asked to, to use it. Okay. But it goes by quick, but, like... The next time, I want a real badass to wear the shirt. Like a John Wick. <laughs> you, yeah, you got it. You got it. We'll have, like... You just imagine, like, Keanu Reeves if he were wearing a, a reviewing history shirt. Yeah, exactly. Either that or, like, a hot chick. Either one is fine. I I will make it happen. All right. 100%. I will make it happen. Absolutely. Cuz like I don't know is Midnight Bloodshed the only thing you've ever watched of mine? Yeah, that's that's the only thing. Uh 
when I bought the camera that we're using now, what are you I using now? A Zcam E2. Okay, I've, I've, and, I'm, I really don't know what that is. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ignorant too. My camera guy, I'm like, what should I get? I got the money. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, get this one. So I got it. Uh, meanwhile, he's like, I want to get this other one, which is like the next one. I'm like, motherfucker, I told you to tell me which yeah. one is the be all end all to get. But when we got it in, I was like, let me write a couple of shorts and we will uh, use those as kind of like our test run on the equipment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I created this character, Savage, who's kind of like this uh, gun for hire badass. He's, he's a lot like the Mel Gibson character in Payback. Nice. You know, which is in turn based on Parker, the books, where he kind of gets left for dead and everyone takes his money. So I wrote the scene where he, uh, they go to rob this guy, like they think he's got like Nazi gold, and uh, he ends up getting shot and killed, or left for dead, but like, he throws a shirt on that's like a Michael Bolton face, <laughs> and, and the dude's got like Michael Bolton framed posters in his house. And on his keychain is like a Michael Bolton keychain, you know. So like, seeing the badass wearing like a Michael Bolton shirt would be akin to like me putting a, uh, a reviewing history pod on some badass. I, I can make it happen. I love doing funny, weird, quirky shit like that. Um, and you know, if anyone listening who's new to this, uh, I believe that you should shouldn't be so tight when you go watch movies that like. Like, if you feel like laughing, there's probably a good reason for that, because it's probably meant to be funny. Yeah. So, like, in Min I said that at Midnight Bloodshed to the audience. I was like, yo, if you feel like laughing, laugh, because a lot of this is funny, because I laugh the entire way through when I watch it. <laughs> like, there's silly, goofy shit there. You don't have to be so silly. Like, there is an allowance for levity in everything that I do. I think people have lost that in society, the ability to, like almost just recognize that like some things are supposed to be funny, you know, cause everything is just taken so seriously and dissected and it's like, no, this is just meant to be fun. That's it. Yes. You know? And <laughs> well, like I said, for your movie, like when they're, you know, getting shitty with each other at the end and choosing sides, I'm like laughing because it's funny because they were good friends and she's like calling her a cunt now. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, you see the dissolution of all these friendships over this issue. And, like, I think it's so funny, too, that, like, I put the fate of the world in, like, the, like, it's six people from Staten Island that are going to decide <laughs> what happens to everybody on Earth, you know? Yes. Um, you know, that was a tight cast that you had in there, too. You didn't, like, have any real extras. Uh, the sister, right? That's my sister. And okay. the mother is my mother. Okay. And then at the comic book shop... Uh, Anthony. Right, but then there's the other dude that's just kind of sitting there. That other dude is going to be on my podcast next week. Uh, he is a musician. He's in the band Theater of the Absurd. He's the drummer. And he is also the voice of the P-Man. If you've ever heard my show, he's the person on the track saying, I am the P-Man. On your show, on the, oh, on the... On Reviewing History. He's the voice going, I am the P-Man at the end. i probably turn it off when you guys are closing up shop. Yeah. If you listen <laughs> if you listen to the show all the way through, we have our intro music. The outro music 
is the rest of the song and there's lyrics where it's you know oh, because the P man. I listen to podcasts on uh, Spotify, and I don't like it when the episode ends because then it'll probably play something that I don't want to listen to yet. Okay, so I'll stop. I'll podcast like when I when you guys like you or whoever else is wrapping up. Yeah, I'll end it so it doesn't play some weird random shit that I don't want to fucking listen to. Okay, do yourself a favor. After this, go listen to the end of one episode with the one you're listening to now, and you'll hear the rest of the intro song. It's like you know an extra like thirty seconds, but there's lyrics. <laughs> okay, I'll, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got like fifteen minutes left on today's okay. episode. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, so I'll do that. Um, anything else? Go check out my other stuff if you got time. I, I, I will. I'll fit it in. I um recently you might, you might really like. God Salt. God Salt was my second movie, and I still kind of like think it's kind of like my masterpiece. I hit my peak on that one. Really? Yeah, and like yeah, I know like we spent five months making fucking Midnight Bloodshed, and it was a a hella shoot, but like it, it's the like looks great, and like we went way out there, way out of our comfort zone to make this movie. Um, and I, at, at the end of it, I was like, I think this one's better than God Salt. But then every time I watch God Salt, I'm like, nothing is ever going to beat that movie. <laughs> So I will send you a link to God Salt. Check okay. out God Salt. I'll watch uh, it. I've been you know, in the samurai one. shit recently. I'm always in the samurai shit, dude. So like Oh, recently I've fallen in love with the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Yeah, I saw that you posted uh an extra episode. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna listen to that. I, I do love Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, I love I it do. now too. I just finished it. I wanna go get the books. I've got the you know the nice Criterion set when that came yeah. out because previously to that it was always it was some bullshit like Samurai, uh, what was it? What was the fucking American ones that they did where they recut it? Shogun well, Assassin. Oh, Shogun Assassin. Yeah, where they cut it together. So when uh, when Criterion put out that that Lone Wolf and Cub, I was like, finally I get to watch these fucking movies. <laughs> I want to get the poster for um the third or fourth mo- the fourth movie. I want to get the poster for the fourth movie. I think it's a gorgeous poster. Hell yeah, dude! Um, you know, I, I collect posters too. Like, and like, I've got, <laughs> I got all my posters in twenty-seven by forty. You know, theatrical size, and I get the cast to sign them. It's great. Oh, that's cool. Uh, what else was? I? Oh, there's a sword in God's Salt. I've got a samurai sword. Okay, there's a sword. There was, supposed to, there was supposed to be a big fucking sword fight, but you know, shit falls through, and like, it's I, hard. Yeah. Compromised with what we did, yeah. So, but like, I, I try to put samurai shit. Like, I went to Japan, right? I, I wrote night moves, and we went to Japan for our honeymoon. And I wrote, uh, like a, a kind of like a remake of one of our earlier movies, Crime America. And there's a lot of Japanese, you know, stuff in that. Whenever I write movies, I immersed myself in everything so like when i was making midnight bloodshed i'm watching all the movies i'm watching the documentaries i'm buying all the toys i'm buying you know props and everything and i'm just surrounding myself in fucking everything so like when i was in japan i'm you know i'm putting like japanese stuff in there uh and we didn't actually make that movie but like it's all still in the script that's cool um yeah i do the same thing like when i decided that my next two movies are going to be horror movies. I'm going to make the slasher myself. The movie after, I don't think I can make it myself. If I have to, I will. Um, that one is a more personal one, but it is horror. It's it's more like a slightly schlockier A24 in my head, like an A24 horror movie, but For more sure. schlocky. It's more it's more personal. 
So my hope is that I do the slasher, I do it very well, and I'm able to get some money together to do the other one that I really want to do the right way. So since I decided to do the horror stuff, like I've decided basically my next two movies are going to be horror movies when I could get to them, I've been like horror guy. Like that's like the thing I watch the most, you know, just right. In shit. Like, uh, Every 80 slasher that I, I've tried to watch at this point, you know, did you watch the burning funny? You should mention the burning. Um, you know what? This is a little tease. So the burning I watched in September or no, not September. We're in September. I watched it sometime last year. I don't remember when. But we are going to be doing the burning on reviewing history for October. Really? With yeah, with a very special guest from Tell 'em Steve Dave. Oh well, I mean, before you even said that, I knew you were gonna say that. Because I know he likes that movie. Oh really? Right? Yeah, Brian Johnson. (laughs) No one listens to this podcast, so it's okay. Uh, Yeah, no, I know he likes that. I, I've heard him say it on Tell Him See That plenty of times. Um, is there, like, true stuff in that, or what? Is this the Cropsy thing? Cropsy, yeah. That's, okay. that's, that's the real element. So, like, I told him, I was like, it's kind of a stretch, but I was like, with the Cropsy stuff, we can make it work. You know, we'll talk about Cropsy, and then we'll talk about the movie. Gotcha. Um, did, have you watched The Prowler? I think I just watched that not too long ago. I got to pull up the post. Like the army guy, the army guy. Yes, uh, yes. Um, I watched that. Yep. Okay. All right. Trying to find, think of a deep cut slasher that maybe you haven't heard of. Yeah, I watched The Prowler not too long ago. Um, I watched Graduation Day. Yep. Happy birthday to me. That one I don't know if I've watched. Check that one out. Happy birthday to me. That's a slasher. Um, okay. There's one that I like that I think a lot of people don't like, and it's April Fool's Day. I like April Fool's Day. I think it's genius. Okay, okay, good. I'm not the only one then. Uh, yeah, no, I like I like April Fool's Day a lot. Uh, probably because I saw it as a kid. Okay. Right? I get why people wouldn't like it too, but like, I think that that ending is the reason for the movie to exist, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. Like it shouldn't uh, exist if you're not doing that when you think about it. Right. It's and it's it's fun, right? Yeah. Not everything has to be like tragedy. Yeah, it's right? like you could laugh. Oh, they got me. <laughs> um uh God, what's some more? I don't know. Uh I'll look some up and, and Yeah, send them to me. And see if you've seen them or not. But yeah, no, I do the same thing. Like, uh, if Tomorrow Never Comes, I was watching... Every time you say the title, by the way, I think of Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm so used I... to hearing Tomorrow Tomorrow Never Dies, and you go, Tomorrow Never Comes. And in my head, I'm always like, Tomorrow Never Dies, and like, constantly. Uh, I was watching crime movies, just like, you know, all crime movies, film noirs, just put myself in the headspace of what it is. Uh, you know, that's what I like to do. Like horror movies, you know, if I'm doing something like I'll watch a bunch of vampire movies back to back, not in the dark was supposed to be like a a slasher movie with a twist where it's a vampire that's kind of doing, being the slasher. Oh, that's cool. It didn't end up being that way because 
I don't know. I, all my movies I write a certain way, and they end up being character pieces, and, and I, I lose that a little bit, especially like... So Midnight Bloodshed, here, I'll tell you this. Okay. In Midnight Bloodshed, the scene where uh, the girl and her boyfriend are in the car, and they're fighting, and they pull off on the side of the road, right, and they get into that fight, and he pushes her down the hill, and then Jason comes and kills him. Um that's based on a real incident that happened on the set of Not in the Dark. Wow. Now, no one got pushed down the hill, but uh, I had cast my, and you know, if, if there's any, like, long-time listeners to this, like the, the two friends that I have or whatever, they'll have heard the story, but my, I cast my sister and her boyfriend in that movie to play, like, basically those two characters. The one, the dude wasn't an asshole in the movie, but in real life, he was a fucking asshole piece of shit. Fuck him. Uh... But my sister, like, we got these people together. We were shooting up to, like, an hour away to go film in the woods. And the dude was fucking belligerent and shitty and, like, drunk and high. And, like, we're trying to work and film. And I'm like, and he's just like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck this movie. And, like, to my sister, he's like, fuck you. Fuck your brother. Fuck your whole family. And, like, they had a newborn baby, right? Oh. She had a... She had her with her, right? And the, you know, the carry thing. And then, like, like, they really start getting into it and start fighting. And, uh, you know, the line's kind of in the movie. But he's like, I didn't even want to fucking have this kid with you. And she's like, well, why don't you pay for the fucking abortion then? And, like, she's, like, pushing it. And, like, it fucking got fucking crazy. Uh, you know, ended up not filming anything. Yeah. That's, that's, that's okay, guys. We're going to wrap early today. It was a fucking mess, and I and at that point I I like, I'm like fuck this dude. He's fired, obviously, not in the movie anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, like, my sister, like they ended up like like, you got two people who shouldn't be together in a relationship, right? But they like kept it up for a little bit longer. They're not together anymore. But my sister stayed on in the movie to the point to where she's like, yo, your movie is, like, ruining my life because they were still together and he wanted, like, whenever she'd go to film, he'd pull this shit where he's like, oh, I made a bunch of plans for us today to do this and this. And it's like, sure he did. Uh, To where the point where it's like, it's fine, you don't have to be in the movie anymore. So, like, I wrote her out of that movie. So you watch that movie and there's a point where her character is just, like, not in it. Yeah. Until she comes back in at the end because we'd filmed that stuff. Uh, and, you know, I swapped up some lines, but, uh, yeah, that's a, you know, a little true story on set madness. Wow. I mean, hey, filmmaking is honestly problem solving and persevering. And, like, you understand that, you know, because you're a guy who gets it done. So I respect <laughs> Fucking A, I get it done, dude. And it's, it's fucking, it's an uphill battle every time. And uh, Werner Herzog is a big influence for me. Uh and he made that movie. You must never listen to this. <laughs> and he made that movie Fitzcarraldo, where the dude's trying to fucking pull that fucking yacht boat fucking thing over the fucking mountain, and that's exactly what it is every time you try to make a fucking movie. One hundred percent. Yep. I love. I love um, the movie Ed Wood too. You know, yes. and like, and like, I think Ed Wood is a fucking hero. You know, it's like he's a guy who just. Like, he had the, all the problems and challenges. He was limited in skill, maybe. But it's like, you know what? He always fucking tried, and he never phoned it in. Every movie, he is trying to do his best. 
Right, and he made movies. Exactly. It's like, it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. You know, it's art. It's subjective. It's like, you just got to fucking do it. I'm like so fired up right now, man. I want to go fucking do something. <laughs> good. Yeah. Let it rub off on you, dude. Because like, fucking write your movie. Fucking make that movie. And, uh, you know, find the people that want to fucking make that movie with you. Because those are the people you need to surround yourself with. I know. You're right. The next thing, the thing I'm writing currently, uh, me and Steve actually are working on a sitcom together. Where, um... We've been working on it for a little over a year. We have a whole pitch packet of this sitcom. I won't go into what it is, but uh, I'm writing the pilot episode right now. So I think it's I think it's a fun concept. So I'm hoping Good. that you know when I finish it, you know I can circulate it around places and hopefully something happens. Fucking make that shit happen because there are people out there that are want. Like you said earlier, these actors are fucking hungry and and there are people who just want to fucking help out. And on Midnight Bloodshed, I met a lot of new people and, and people that were like, hey, I know you cast me in this, but if you need any help, like, beyond, like, behind the scenes and whatnot, like, I'm there. And I cast one dude, and then he ended up running sound for me the entire fucking movie, so... That's awesome. That's a good dude. That's a guy you reward with a bigger role in the next thing. <laughs> but then, like, he's not in this movie, really. Yeah, you know... He got, a new, he, got, he got a new job, and, and life changes, okay. and, and he wasn't around for it, so... Shit happens, man. Shit happens, dude. Um, man, that's a hell of a podcast we just did. Yep. Uh, should should I do my final pitch of my shit? Uh, yeah, whatever you want to do. Okay. <laughs> uh, guys, check out Reviewing History. It's my podcast with my co-host, Steve and Anthony. We dive deep into movies based on history. We tell you what's real and fake in them. We crack jokes throughout the whole thing. The point is just for you to learn a little bit and hopefully laugh and just have a good time. Um, you could follow me on all social media at Brian Rupert with two Ps. I post on Letterboxd everything I watch. I rate and review it. I have a backlog now of shit I've got to get to reviews I've got to write. But the main thing is check out Reviewing History. Please, I beg you, go on YouTube, hit like and subscribe. Uh, we got to get to basically 1K to get boosted into the algorithm, which is what we are slowly inching towards. Yeah, you guys are always uh, complaining about the algorithm and, and getting booted out by YouTube. So, because we're teachers, um, Steve, at the end of last year, some students found our podcast. Right. And Steve got worried because he doesn't have tenure. He's like, what if, you know, they hear that we said that? I was like, we marked that it's not for kids. But he got worried, which is understandable. He doesn't want to lose his job. So he marked... Um, a lot of the episodes, you have to be 18 or over to access them. Right. And once you do that, you don't come up in any recommendations, feeds, or anything. So you have to kind of, you have to like and subscribe or you like the show, just will never show up for you. Dude, it's such a weird fucking thing because I really don't get it, but not in the dark. Uh, I made that in 2019 and I posted it to be viewed on YouTube in 2019. It got maybe a couple hundred views uh, views between now or between then and now but uh recently i've been kind of going over them and doing podcast commentaries with uh some some friends and i noticed that uh, one guy was like how come it looks all fucking weird like you can fucking see the <laughs> the sound when they move and uh i'm like you're crazy and then i'm watching it and i'm like you can there's something wrong with this and i went and looked at it and i rendered it in 29 frames per second 
So I went back and I re-rendered the movie at 24 frames and I re-uploaded it and it's at like 26,000 views. Wow. It's like, like May or June when, you know, four years prior, it got a couple hundred views and there, there is no reason why, no, you know, I don't get it. I don't know why it blew up. A new thing being posted at the right time, just like, you know, the algorithm catches it and will just push it. That's really I guess so. Yeah, like, so, you know, reviewing uh, history, you know. Yep, you should go on YouTube, like, and subscribe, everybody, please. Help us. Yes, anyone who's listening, fucking go watch that, because I like it, and I don't like anything. Yeah, see? That's enforcement. <laughs> Well, thanks for being on the podcast, and I look forward to, like, calling in and saying hey on yours. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely, you know, anytime you want me back, so. And this probably won't post for another couple weeks. That's cool. No worries. But with that, that's Sequel Podcast for this week. I'm Matt Bonta. I'm Brian Rupert. Peace out. Bye. All right, and then do I just stop this? What do I do? Uh, Stop the recording.